Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 159. And today I'm going to be talking about having unschooling adventures and waiting times. And in particular, I'm going to be talking about having unschooling adventures during those times when we have to wait, when we have to wait around for our kids to have music lessons or whatever other things that they are doing. Yes, take advantage of all those odd bits of time when we're either sitting in the car or trying to find something else to do. Can we turn those times into adventures, make the most of them? Now, I've just returned from having lunch with my daughter, Charlotte. We walked to the village cafe and, yeah, had some one-on-one time together because I haven't done that with Charlotte for a while. Just before lunch, I said to Charlotte, hey, how about we walk to the village? We'll have lunch together, have some catch-up time. And so that's what we did. And then one of the things that we were talking about while we were eating was this podcast I said to Charlotte, I don't know what I'm going to talk about this week. I've got to make a podcast this afternoon. And while I was thinking about it, I told Charlotte what I'd done this morning. I'd gone to town and I dropped Sophie off at the gym so that she could do a workout. And then I'd taken Gemma Rose to the shopping centre where she works in a cafe. Yes, she's not here today. She's got a shift Yes, working in the cafe. I did a little bit of shopping and then I picked Sophie up. Well, before I picked her up, I had to wait a few minutes for her. I told Sophie that I would meet her at the park near the gym. I'd wait in the car and then when she was ready, she could walk up and meet me. I had about 15 minutes, I thought, before Sophie would arrive. And... The reason I'd gone shopping this morning after I had dropped Gemma Rose was to buy some video equipment. I wanted a tripod that I could use with my phone and also I bought a selfie stick because I was thinking about making some more videos. I would like to make some videos that I can share in the Curious Unschoolers book club, but I'll tell you about those in a little while. First, I want to tell you what I did while I was waiting for Sophie. So I had a look at what I'd bought, my selfie stick and my tripod, and I thought, look, I haven't vlogged in a very, very long time. How about I fill up this waiting time by making a vlog, vlogging, tell everybody about my video making plans and a little bit of news. And so that's what I did. Now, I didn't have one of those phone holders that you attach to the windscreen of the car. I have actually got one, but it was at home. So I did a little bit of experimenting and I put my phone on the dashboard. I propped it up And I thought, well, that's good enough. I will vlog. I won't worry about perfection. So, yeah, I took for five minutes and made a video. Now, the video isn't perfect, as I said. The phone is at the wrong height. It is directed up at my face rather than at the more flattering angle of down. 
So, yeah, I don't look particularly attractive. But I talked about that in the video. I said that vlogging is so much different to podcasting. Here I am talking to you, and I didn't bother looking in the mirror first. As I said in the video, I can podcast in my pajamas if I want to, but making videos is a totally new thing. Yes, we have to think about our appearance. What do we look like? What image am I projecting? And, well, I'm not too happy with my appearance, I don't think. I mean, I'm me, and I guess there's nothing I can do about who I am. But I wonder what people think. Do people look at my videos and think, wow, didn't realize Sue is so old and wrinkly. She sounds a lot younger in her podcasts. I suppose if I'm going to be vlogging and making other videos, I've got to get over that, not worry what other people are thinking. So even though my video wasn't perfect today, even though I would have preferred to have made it again with the phone pointing sort of down on me instead of up at my nose. Now I've said that, you'll probably go and have a look and you'll think, oh, well, she has got a big nose. But there we go. I made myself post it. Because how many times do we create things and then decide that they are not good enough? And is anything ever good enough? When we try to do things perfectly, we don't do much at all. And the problem with this is that maybe we don't share what we have. Who knows, maybe I have got something interesting to say, but nobody will ever hear about it if I don't make those videos. And also, it could be a lot of fun making more videos, couldn't it? Yeah, have a change from what I've been doing recently. Have an adventure. So I had an adventure while I was waiting for Sophie this morning. The number of times I have to wait around for children while they have lessons or while they go to the gym, these times are very few these days because we have other drivers in the family. I only have to wait around if one of those other drivers isn't available for example, to take Gemma Rose to and from the gym. But there was a time in my life when my children were younger, when I was always waiting, waiting for my kids to have piano lessons, swimming lessons, singing lessons, all kinds of things. And sometimes it got very frustrating. Another afternoon sitting in the car, and then one day it occurred to me that I wasn't making the most of my waiting times. Quite often, when my children were younger, I had little people in the car with me. I couldn't leave them at home by themselves, so they had to endure the waiting times too. Now, eight years ago, when Gemma Rose was seven, Imogen got a job. She used to clean somebody's house every Wednesday afternoon. We'd have to drive into town, drop Imogen off at the friend's house. She did her work, and then the rest of us would have to find something to do while we were waiting. And I have an old story here about that time that I want to share with you. Because as I said last week, I'm trying to share some of the things that were happening in our unschooling lives 
when my children were much younger, because as you probably know, Chimarose is now 15, and she's our youngest child. So these days, I have young adults and teenagers in the family, not little people, and so unschooling looks very different from what it did all those years ago. So maybe some of my older stories will give you a taste of what our unschooling life used to look like. I think I have two stories that I could share with you. The first one is called An Adventure Hiding in Every Moment. Every Wednesday afternoon, I drive into town to deliver Imogen to her place of work. She spends two hours house cleaning, and I wait for two hours. Filling in hours. I've done a lot of that over the years, waiting while my children have piano lessons, clarinet lessons, singing lessons, swimming lessons, musicianship lessons, while they work have music exams, dental checkups, busk for pocket money. At first, there was a lot of groaning and sighing and watch-watching while I was waiting. There was a lot of thinking, is the lesson over yet? But then I decided I had to fill in the waiting time in a profitable way, a way that would make the time seem to go faster. So I've used waiting time to shop, to visit the library, to read to the girls while we sit in the van, or read to myself, or write. Last Wednesday, I had to take all four girls into town with me. I had no big brother-sister-sitters to look after Sophie and Gemma Rose, and I needed Charlotte to help me with the grocery shopping. Gemma Rose pulled a long face. She didn't want to go out on a cold and wet afternoon. I didn't really want to go out either. So I thought, if you help me with the shopping, we'll buy something delicious for afternoon tea. And we could take a thermos of hot chocolate along and find somewhere to have a picnic afternoon tea together before going back to collect Imogen. So we set off for town. Imogen was deposited at her soon-to-be pristine clean house. The rest of us headed to the supermarket, Up and down the aisles we flew, filling a couple of trolleys. Last of all, we placed a tray of yogurts on top of the huge pile of food. The girls had decided on a healthy treat. Did I have spoons? Yes, the emergency pack in my bag. We still had an hour to fill, so I drove to the lake. Shall we have a brisk walk around the lake before or after our afternoon tea? Before, said Charlotte firmly, but as we stepped out of the van, a few drops of rain fell from the sky. A few drops of rain won't hurt us, I reassured everyone. But at the back of my mind were thoughts of hair. My nicely, in-place, blow-dried hair might soon be plastered flat against my head. Could I stand that? A quarter of the way round the lake, we could no longer pretend there were only a few drops of rain falling upon us. It was pouring down. We turned around and ran back towards the van. Yes, I ran. We settled our little bit soggy selves into the back of the van and poured out the steaming hot chocolate into cups, handed round spoons and yogurt, and enjoyed. 
There is something quite wonderful about sitting in a steamed-up vehicle on a cold day, eating and laughing together. Is it because we rarely do such things? Were we having a little unexpected adventure on a wet afternoon? By the time our cups were empty, the rain had ceased. Shall we try again, I asked, and soon we were marching back along the path. The sky was black and threatening, and the air blew cold upon our faces and hands. As we crossed the bridge, we noticed water rushing and tumbling into a waterfall as it flowed out of the lake and disappeared into the bush. We followed the sound of the splashing water through the trees and found ourselves on the edge of the creek. There was a beautiful, fresh, earthy smell rising from the leaf-covered soil. The girls and I looked longingly down the enticing track which leads away from the lake and into the bush. Wouldn't it be great to take a walk through the bush, sighed Sophie, knowing we didn't have time. Next time, I promised, as we rounded the other side of the lake, our van coming into view. Later that evening, I thought about our afternoon. We had turned a two-hour wait into a very pleasant experience. We hadn't spent much money or travelled very far. We hadn't even had good weather, but we'd had a great time together. Even Gemma Rose, who'd not wanted to come along. I learnt two things that afternoon. The first is that it can be quite inconvenient having my older boys grow up and get involved with their own lives. No longer can I rely on them to help out as sister-sitters. The dynamics of our family are changing. We've gone back to the days when I sometimes have to take younger children with me when I go out. And that means readjustments and some clever thinking. Which leads me on to the second lesson I learnt. I learnt there is an adventure hiding in every moment. A two-hour's wait can be a dreary watch-watching experience. Or, with a little imagination, it can be an opportunity to have some unexpected fun. Oh yes, I learnt something else too. Walking in the rain does turn blow-dried hair into a flat, head-hugging mess but it doesn't kill you. I remember looking at the faces of my girls, stretched wide by smiles as they gave me, their adventurous mother, tight hugs. And I thought, what does it matter what I look like? Will I put my appearance, the weather, or my comfort before having fun with my girls? Well, to be honest, I am a person who likes her comfort and being very much together and in control. But I am changing. Yes, I think I have changed now. I have had lots and lots of opportunities to let go and just be an adventurous mother. I think I was talking about that a few weeks ago, wasn't I? Yes, episode 156, Building Strong Relationships with Our Kids. I told you a couple of stories about being adventurous with my son Callum. You might remember the fridge adventure story. And there are lots of adventurous mother stories in my books, especially in the second book, Radical 
unschool love. I tell the story of how I became an adventurous mother, how I stopped thinking about unimportant things like what are people thinking about me and my hair's going to get all messed up, that type of thing. Yes, as I said in that story, I remember looking at the faces of my girls, stretched wide by smiles as they gave me, their adventurous mother, tight hugs. Yes, putting our kids first. I guess that story ties in very well with my vlogging story because I was talking about my appearance then too. Yes, it doesn't matter what we look like. There are more important things than appearing beautiful or altogether, whatever. So that was one of my old stories about when my children were younger. Before I leave it, though, when I was reading it, I was thinking about the rain. We haven't had rain for months. The creeks are almost empty. The dams are almost empty. The waterfalls are no longer flowing. I guess the weather will one day change again and we will get some rain, but we're desperate for it at the moment. Yes, we have been declared in drought for a very, very long time. As I was driving to town the other day along the back road, on either side of that road are paddocks of cows. I think there's also a vineyard or two. The grass, it was just so brown. We don't notice so much when we're walking through the bush because the bush is always green. But paddocks of grass, yes, they look like brown stubble. Having more adventures, as I said in that story, I resolved to come back another day, take the girls down the bush tracks, have another adventure when we had more time. Did I actually do that? Well, I did. And I wrote a story about it, and that's what I'm going to share with you next. This story is called The Photography Girls Head Into the Bush. The other week, while the girls and I were at the lake, we spied a track that disappeared enticingly into the bush. I promised we'd return another day and head along the path in search of adventure. So last Wednesday afternoon, we packed up our exploring kit. We grabbed a basket and tossed in small bars of chocolate. Bushwalking requires lots of energy. A large thermos flask of hot chocolate. It was a cool day. A packet of almond fingers for dunking. Because dunking is fun. And muesli bars. All that fresh air gives intrepid girl explorers a huge appetite. And we hunted out our cameras, one for each person. Basket packed, we set out. I parked the van alongside the lake and the girls tumbled out, cameras at the ready, eager to begin our Wednesday afternoon adventure. Soon we disappeared down the bush track. We left the lake, the cars and the people behind, and were swallowed up by nature. Tall gum trees stretching upwards between huge boulders, wild flowers, a splash of colour amongst the greenery, and a sandstone-dotted trail winding its way through the bush. It was a very slow walk. Look at this! Every few seconds, someone discovered something that just had to be photographed. I need a photo of that wattle. What mode do you think I should use? 
we discussed different camera settings and how best to frame the photo, which angle to take it from. Buttons were pressed, the resulting images examined and shared, and then we moved on. Look, here's a different kind of wattle. The other one had flowers arranged in globules. This one has them in spikes. Of course, we had to take photos of every kind of wattle we could see. Then we spied some banksias. With cameras in hand, the girls were noticing far more than if we were simply strolling along. We crossed a few bridges, and I remembered when Felicity was little. We'd taken loads of photos of bridges. We were constantly searching for yet another bridge to add to our collection. Small bridges over creeks, wooden bridges, stepping stone bridges, railway bridges, arched bridges. We rounded a bend in the track to find an area of flat boulders which looked just right for resting upon while we ate our chocolate. And as we ate, we talked. We talked about bushfires. Can you see those blackened trees? I bet this area was back burnt. It must have been a while ago. Look at how lush and thick the undergrowth is. What's undergrowth? That was Gemma Rose. All those plants that grow in the shade of the trees. We noticed the bush on one side of the track showed fire scars, while that on the opposite side was untouched. And we remembered how our own bushland at the bottom of the road where we live had been carefully backburnt last year. The rural firefighters skillfully kept the fire confined to one side of the fire trail only. Afterwards, when the fires were extinguished, we walked down the track, and it felt so eerie walking alongside the bare bush studded only with blackened trees. And although the bush had lost its beauty, we weren't sad, but glad, knowing the backburn could possibly save our property and our lives if a bushfire ever sweeps through our village. Can you see how those branches have sprouted along the length of the burnt trees? And someone remembered how native seeds need the heat of a fire in order to bring them alive. It was soon time to head back to the van. The return journey was quicker as we didn't stop so often to snap photos. Soon we were enjoying mugs of hot chocolate and other goodies by the side of the lake. When I was a child, I loved taking photographs. It seemed rather magical to be able to capture a moment in time forever. I had a large box-like Polaroid camera. I carefully selected my subject, pressed the huge button, and then a square of film came sliding out of the front of the camera. I had to time the seconds carefully before peeling back the uppermost layer to reveal the photograph hidden underneath. It was all a rather hit-and-miss affair. Too few seconds and my photo was much too light. And if I left it longer than necessary, my photo was too dark. It was a disappointing experience because I hardly ever got it just right. Because film was so expensive, I couldn't take many photos and had to be content with my handful of imperfect images. It was very frustrating. But photography is no longer frustrating. Our children can snap away happily for as long as they like, enjoying the thrill of creating hundreds of images. Any mistakes can instantly be deleted. I wish I had my own camera, sighed Gemma Rose as we were on our way home. 
She had borrowed Andy's camera for the day. I'll probably buy her one for her birthday. I bought Sophie a camera for Christmas from Aldi. I think it cost about $65. I'm going to transfer my photos to the computer this evening, and then I'm going to write a blog post, announced Gemma Rose. I think about introducing the girls to the website Picnic. They would enjoy adding special effects to their images. Perhaps they could create a blog just to display their photos. Maybe we could find a library book, especially written for children. Should I plan a special lesson about how cameras work, or how the eye works, or the history of cameras, or how light works? No, that would kill the girls' interest in photography dead. I am sure the girls will ask questions or look things up for themselves, all in their own time. It is the evening, and Andy is home from work. We had such a great afternoon, says Sophie. Would you like to see my photos? And my photography girl grabs her digital photo frame. She inserts her memory card and stands back in triumph. Well, what do you think, Dad? I'm impressed. Another photography girl appears. Wait until you read my blog post, Dad. I can't wait. None of us can wait. We can't wait until we go on another photography adventure. Perhaps next Wednesday afternoon. And that was my second story. Jim Rose did write her blog post, and it's called The Bushwalk, and it's still online somewhere. I will put the links to both those stories and Gemma Rose's blog post in the show notes if you would like to read those stories for yourself. Maybe you'd find the photos interesting. Yes, my girls when they were much younger. They're not very good photos because they were just taken on a point and shoot camera. And you probably know that I have a DSLR camera now, and I know a whole heap more about photography than I used to. And so does Sophie. Yes, I bought her a $65 Audi point-and-shoot camera eight years ago. And then I think it was about five years ago, I bought her a DSLR camera. If you have listened to, I think it was my second podcast, you might have heard that story of how I bid on eBay for a second-hand camera for her. And when she had that camera, she had the right equipment to learn about photography properly. Yes, sometimes point-and-shoot cameras can be a little bit limiting. It's a bit frustrating when you want to take really good photos, but your camera isn't good enough for all the effects that you want. Of course, that website, Picnic, it was a photo editing site. It is no longer around. I shall have to go back to that post and take out the link. It's another dead link. But there are a lot of other photography editing websites that are perfect for children to use. And since I wrote that blog post, most people these days have access to a camera on their phone, so taking photos is very, very easy. And it's a lot of fun, especially for children. We were talking about back burning or hazard reduction burning, where the firefighters light a fire in the bush 
a controlled fire and they burn out all the undergrowth, making it less likely that a bushfire will spread during the hot summer months. I'd forgotten that eight years ago, the bush near us had been burnt out. I think it was maybe five years ago, we had a big bushfire close to home. I have spoken about this in podcasts previously and written blog posts about it. And there's a few stories about it in my book, Curious Unschoolers. For a couple of weeks, we were on alert for evacuation. It was a huge bushfire. So hazard reduction, burning or back burning is very, very important. It keeps us safe. The other point in that story of interest, I think, is that we don't have to make our kids write about what they've seen or do research, do a project. They will do their own things. If their interest is sparked, they will go home. They will want to look up information, borrow library books, maybe write a blog post, draw a picture. There's no reason for us to give them assigned work. And if we do make them do projects, of course, there is always the danger that we're going to stomp on that interest, that they won't want to find out more after all. Times change. As our kids are growing up, their needs change, their interests change, and life changes. Unschooling looks different. For a time, there might be such a thing as a typical day. But, yes, over time, a typical day does change. And at the moment, our days are looking very, very different from what they did eight years ago. Reading those stories, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I miss those days when my kids were younger and we did things together. These days, everybody's in and out of the house doing their own thing. Yes, we have times when we do things together, but we don't do it every day anymore. And I have to make a special effort, like I did for Charlotte today, to say, hey, shall we go out together? Shall we have some time? Shall we visit this place? Shall we have lunch together? Would you like to go to the art gallery? Whatever it is, I have to make a special effort, issue some invitations. Otherwise, time just flows by and we don't get to do the things that we could be doing. So I had lunch with Charlotte today. I told her about the video that I made during my waiting time. And I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I am hoping to make some more videos and I would like to share them in the Curious Unschoolers Book Club. I told you about my book club last week. I'm hoping that we can dive deep into unschooling, have some really good conversations using my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love as starting points. So I have created a forum. It's attached to my blog. And if you're interested, just go to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. There's several links on the home page, including one in the menu bar at the top of the page. And yes, we have started discussing things. Quite a lot of people signed up last week and a few of those people have enthusiastically started talking, but we need more people to get involved. The more people who share their thoughts, their ideas, their experiences and their questions, the more interesting the discussions will be. I don't want the book club just to be about me, 
me posting something and then everybody reading it and then moving on. I mean, that's just like reading my book. I've already done all that in the book. What I would like is for everybody to share so that we can learn from each other. Have some interesting conversations, like I said. So if you have already signed up for the Curious Unschoolers Book Club, please come in, look around. Yeah, introduce yourself in the members topic. And then if you have some questions, some ideas, some thoughts, whatever that you would like to talk about, then create some topics in the appropriate sections. I have created a section in the forum for every section in my book. For example, there's a section labeled trust, uh, starting unschooling, freedom, concerns, passions and interests, maths, English, lots of sections, 22 of them to be exact. Plus, I think I put in one called extras in case there's other things that don't fit into any of those sections. So yes, please, please feel welcome to post something, create a topic anywhere you like. We're not going to work through the book methodically from start to finish because what if you were interested in something towards the end of my book? Well, you'd have to wait a very long time for us to get there. No, just post in whatever section most interests you. So I'm wondering, what do you do during waiting times? Do you go off and have fantastic adventures? Do you make the most of that time so that it passes quickly and so that you don't waste it? If you would like to tell me about your waiting time adventures, please hop over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Leave me a comment or why don't you pop into the Curious Unschoolers Book Club. If you would like to see that vlog that I made today, it is already up on YouTube. My channel is called Sue Elvis. As I said, it's not a perfect video, um, but I don't think that matters. We're friends, aren't we? It doesn't matter what I look like. If you would like to see more vlogs from me, please subscribe to my channel. You can find my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love on Amazon. They're both available as print books and Kindle ebooks. I will put together some show notes. Please hop over to my blog and read those stories for yourself. Maybe you would like to read Gemma Rose's blog post to have a look at her photos. That's the only problem about podcasting, isn't it? It's all audio. You can't actually see the beautiful photos that I'm talking about. Yes, so please hop over to my blog. I've been doing quite a lot of work on my blog recently, trying to get it into some kind of better order, make it more attractive, make it easier for you to find all my past blog posts. If you go to the top menu bar, you will see that I have rearranged everything. And if you click on those links, you will see that I have created some Pinterest-style pages with all my blog posts on them. So it's really easy to do some browsing. Just choose a topic such as unschooling and a page will appear with all my posts as little Pinterest cards with the titles. You can just keep scrolling through the page 
until you find something that sounds interesting. There is a page called All Stories, and every single blog post that I have ever written is on that page. Just keep on scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and you will go back in time to 2011 when I started this blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I actually started blogging a little bit earlier than 2011, but I used to post my stories on a different blog. I think I must have imported all those old stories to this blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, in 2011. I'm not quite sure now, but anyway, it was the second blog that I created. Because when I first started blogging, I didn't really have any intention about blogging about homeschooling or unschooling in particular. No, I just created a general Catholic blog just to tell family stories, but not necessarily homeschooling stories. Though every now and then I did tell one of those stories. And then one day a friend stopped by and said, you should write more homeschooling stories. I would like to hear more about your homeschooling. And I think that's when I decided to create my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and dedicate it entirely to unschooling. And now, this is the only blog that I write on. Though I do have one other blog, which is online. And if you have been observant and have been looking in my menu bar, a couple of weeks ago, a new label appeared, and it says, The Baby Loss Club. And those are my stories about my son, Thomas, who died when he was one day old. There's quite a lot of stories on that blog. Over the years, I wrote a number of them. And one day I created a blog where I could put them all. And what I would like to do eventually is take all those stories and turn them into a book. So that's one of my future projects. But if you would like to read those stories, yes, go to the homepage of my blog, follow the link, The Baby Loss Club. So I think that's everything. I think I've told you everything. I will put some show notes together. So all I've got left to do is to thank you for listening to this episode, episode 159. So until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.